This is an RNZ podcast. Tēnā koutou katoa, I'm Philippa Tongi and welcome to Insight. This week, the huge increase in strike action last year. Who stands to win or lose politically? National's claim from day one is that the Labour Party is too close to the unions and as a result, with them in government, the economy will suffer. But while the economy is strong, the unions argue the time is right to renegotiate collectives and ask for more money. With less than half a political term left, Labour ministers and MPs will be turning their attention to how they might return to power and political reporter Gia Garrick looks at whether they still plan to take the unions with them. Nick Forbes underwent surgery for a cancerous brain tumour six months ago and has only recently gone back to work. He's spent some of his recovery time doing up his truck and he got a dog for companionship. Lena is from Auckland, he's a Jaffa and he is a border collie. His father is a trials dog and his mother has very good markings. And the uh, funny thing is he, he's born four days before me. And uh, also he was born on the day I had my seizure. One of Nick's eyes went foggy last year and he went to an optometrist to get it checked out. They sent him to hospital. He had an MRI scan and then the specialist was sending him to Wellington for surgery. But what happened was that was on Wednesday and I was meant to fly out Thursday and then the strikes started happening and I got pushed back a week and then they couldn't do it at that week so it got pushed back another week so... I spent two weeks waiting to find out, A, what was in my head, and B, whether I was going to survive it or not. He says it was an incredibly difficult time, but he doesn't blame the nurses. The fact that they have to go to the point of striking is, yeah, I, I would say the, the government definitely needs to look at things a lot more closely and stop trying to ignore everything. Nick believes the government needs to take a better look at where it's spending its money so patients don't get affected like he was by industrial action. Figures from the Ministry of Business, Innovation and Employment show there were 46 strikes last year and it's still waiting on reports from some employers. That's 40 more than the previous year. There were more people on the picket line in 2018 than the five years before that combined. You have to go back as far as 2005 under the previous Labour government to find a year with more industrial action than 2018. And it's not letting up. Just last month, it was junior doctors demanding safer hours and better staffing. Rohit Katyal is a doctor at Wellington Hospital and an organiser for the Resident Doctors Association. He says strike action is a last resort. I think it has a huge impact on elective cases and appointments for patients, which is unfortunate. Um, in the hospital setting, for acute care, it shouldn't really have an impact. There's enough SMOs that they can bring out onto the floor, um, which is ideally what we want for life-preserving services. I think there should be enough staff, but for a, sort of the long-term care, it'll have quite a significant impact, I think. Yeah. And that's the point, right? That's the point, yeah. Um, not ideal for patients, but um, that's the point to make it hurt for them. This sudden and significant increase in strike action was certain to become the focus of the largest ever single-party opposition. The industrial turmoil provided the National Party with fodder to target what Labour holds most dear, its worker base and its core values as a party. 
The rhetoric straight off the back of Labour's first 100 days in office was that the economy was in trouble and that the unions, quiet for the past decade, were now back and ready to take on New Zealand's hard-working business people. The National Party's Workplace Relations spokesperson, Scott Simpson, whose office lies at the end of a long corridor on Parliament's third floor, says it's clear that Jacinda Ardern's government is to blame for the increase in strikes. He notes a series of wildcat bus strikes happening that morning. Literally, this was a strike that was, was without notice. Now, that's utterly inappropriate in a modern functioning society. Uh, if nothing else, it's just arrogant. It's just absolutely arrogant. And let's just say it's the kind of thing that uh, brings trade unions into disrepute and is part of the reason that most New Zealanders don't join trade unions because they're not relevant. Do you think there is a place for trade unions, though, in society? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely there's a place for trade unions in New Zealand society. But they need to be modern trade unions. They actually need to be forward-looking and provide some relevant leadership to answering the really hard questions about productivity gains, um, uh, about increasing education skill sets, and about better representation for uh, employees and worker groups who do have sometimes difficulty being represented in the workplace. Now those are all good things that a modern, effective, functioning trade union movement should be championing. Instead, what we've seen since the change of government is just a revert back to type go on strike at the drop of a hat, and now sometimes without notice. And that can't be good, firstly, for New Zealand public, our economy, or actually for the credibility of the trade union movement. Wildcat strikes are when workers go on strike without the approval of unions. Mr Simpson says they're all disruptive. I think that one of the things that has occurred since the change of government is that the trade union movement feels very empowered, very emboldened now that they think their friends are in the beehive. And so there's an element of um, uh, exercising uh, muscle and clout that probably they felt they would be um, less able to do and would certainly be met less positively by a government than in the past. The nurses' organisation, the NZNO, was one group of workers to take nationwide industrial action last year. After 30 years of negotiating behind closed doors and accepting incremental year-on-year increases in pay, why did they suddenly decide they could ask for more? For the previous 10 years prior to the industrial action, there'd been a decade of underfunding in health and quite possibly in other core public service. And, I mean, we were very aware of that, and so were the DHBs, because... C. Payne is the NZNO's Industrial Services Manager. um, Vote health had fallen as a percentage of GDP, which um, the Minister Coleman at the time might have wanted to keep telling the public that money into health was increasing. Yes, the dollars on the face of it are increasing, but as a percentage of GDP it was falling, so there was a, a significant gap of money going in. Ms Payne says they gained about 3,000 new members during the year-long dispute last year. But she says they'd happily ditch the industrial action if the government introduced fair pay legislation that saw regular and proper increases for nurses and committed to funding safe levels of staffing. I would hope, and and certainly NZNO's view, that there should be a five-year review at a minimum so that because when you have a large female workforce 
being able to maintain the rate of pay is, seems to me harder than it is if it's a male-dominated workforce, and um, that way we wouldn't have to have strikes to maintain our pay. We would be able to go to the uh, Equal Pay Authority or whatever it is and say, you know, we've fallen behind by 5% because we haven't taken any industrial action. That needs to be addressed. The Workplace Relations Minister Ian Lees-Galloway says he's onto it. He's got a report back on how we might best put in place fair pay agreements, which would set minimum standards for workers across whole sectors or industries. Mr Lees-Galloway is a former nurses' union organiser himself. Through my 20s I, I learned the power of the collective. I learned that people working together... Um, can affect positive change. It was, um, Mr Lees Galloway says there are a few different factors at play here. Firstly, a lot of collectives between unions and employers expired at the last election. That means bargaining was entered into at that time and many have been renewed without any need for industrial action. He says it's also a really good time to ask for more money. What you're seeing at the moment is, is strong economic conditions uh, and people feeling secure in their job that it is time to get a better deal uh, and you've seen that in the in the collective bargaining that's been going on. Um, but I think what people expect from a Labour government is that we will take the concerns of workers on board, we will respond to those. Um, they expect more from us and that's, that's great, we, we welcome that. Uh, and they expect us to carry on with our programme of work to... Uh, create more balance in the labour market um, so that workers do have an opportunity to share in the prosperity of our nation. So according to the Minister, it's a combination of good economic conditions and a sympathetic government. The Public Service Association is at pains to point out it is not political and that its members took industrial action under National as well. Last year, its members at the Ministry of Business, Innovation and Employment and Inland Revenue went on strike. Ministry of Justice workers also walked out of courts across the country, causing some to close and hearings to be delayed. The ministries all told RNZ Insight they respect that it's a worker's choice to join a union and go on strike. However, in the Justice Ministry's case, it said it had to make other arrangements to ensure the impact was minimised and the public remained safe. Our members took prolonged industrial action. Um, That was really hard for them. But it was driven from them and they really backed each other um, and came through it very strongly. Glenn Barclay, the PSA's National Secretary, says industrial action is never their starting point. There's a range of tools we've got. You know, we we lobby, we we work in partnership with employers where we can and um, if we need to, we'll take industrial action and we're we're never going to step back from that if we have to take it. Um, And... In certain circumstances, that can be the most effective um, effective tool you've got because negotiations have just got to a point where that's the only way that, that, that you can progress things. We're standing on Parliament's forecourt where Mr Barclay last stood on a picket line, microphone and placard in hand. I love this place and um, I've been here as my colleagues many times over the years. I mean, most recently it was during the Ministry of Justice um, dispute. Um, which coincided with Public Service Day, where we were really keen to show our support for, uh, for, for Public Service Day and the great work that all our members do. And we also acknowledged the challenge that our Ministry of Justice members were going through at that time. Um, so that was a, a, a spirited um, event, and um, 
it's just it's great that in our, our democracy that we've got these rights um, for ordinary citizens, for ordinary uh, union members to come down here and be heard. So yeah, I really like this place. The PSA, as well as the nurses, has seen an increase in membership, and its members, of course, are members of the public. All the union representatives I talk to say their membership is a political mixed bag and not at all reserved for people who vote left. There are rural unions and city unions, private and public sector unions, unions representing seafarers to dairy workers to the arts. The Council of Trade Unions is the representative body for the majority of the trade unions. But does its president, Richard Wagstaff, believe the rest of the public is generally on board when it comes to unions and workers taking industrial action? There are different levels of support for different categories of workers out there. Often it's born from people's experience of working with those people. Um, Certainly, for example, we know there's a lot of public support for nurses, which is great, and they deserve every bit of it. Others don't get quite as much support, but Mr Wagstaff says they all have valid reasons to strike. Most of the time it's pay, and often it's also about conditions. Other times it's about equality in the workforce. Occasionally, about very specific issues an employer refuses to address. So why is it that Labour cares so much about the unions and the wants of their membership? Uh, Well, there's a long and historic relationship um, between organised Labour unions and the Labour Party. In fact, unions were at the inception of the Labour Party. Uh, And we often talk about sort of a parliamentary wing and an um, industrial wing of of Labour, but um, we're not affiliated to the Labour Party. Some unions are, a minority of unions are, but certainly very important unions are, private sector unions they are. We have a good working relationship with, with political parties that, that, that are, if you like, worker-friendly and union-friendly, and the Labour Party in government is that. We don't agree with everything they say. We at times criticise what they say. But by and large, there is a strong working relationship because we think um, they offer working people the best opportunity for, for progress in this country. And many of the Labour Party's current ministers and MPs remain affiliated. Um, I am a, a member of ITU. Um, and I am a member of the PSA, both unions that I belonged to before I became a member of Parliament. Yeah, and why is it important, do you think, to belong to a union? Um, look, they were um, unions that I joined when I was in the workforce. Um, I joined the PSA when I worked at Crop and Food and then Plant and Food, um, and the um, Service and Food Workers Union, which is now part of ITU, um, was the first union that I joined um, when I worked part-time as a student. Um, I think it's really important, I believe, um, that we need to have collective bargaining and we need to have the ability of workers to work together to get fair outcomes for themselves. And, and how long have you been a member? I was a member of the Service Workers Union before that, before it merged into ITU. I can't remember the year. It was six, seven, eight years ago, and I, in my working life I've been a member of several other unions as well. Yeah, it was the APMU when I was at TVNZ as a journalist. I was a member then, and that crossed over to when I was a staffer here, and I made sure I continued my membership when I became a Member of Parliament too. And why do you think it's important to be a Member of a Union? I look fundamentally for me. My my mum was a factory worker, kind of stood up for her. Um, I think, you know, making sure you have collectivism at work is always a handy thing too. Are you a Member of a Union? Yes, I still am, yes. Which one? Uh, E2. Yeah, how long have you been a member? And, and um, when, when it was back in the day, it was Service and Food Workers Union and then it, it um, combined. And so, yeah, I still pay my membership. I'm Gia Garrick and you're listening to an RNZ Insight programme exploring industrial action, unions and the Labour Party. Labour looks to the tiny town of Blackball on the West Coast as its spiritual home, which is also the place where the combined union movement was born. 
The ex-Labour leader and long-time union rep and lawyer, Andrew Little, sitting by the window in his ministerial beehive office, says he's always very happy to give a history lesson. If you go back to the start of the Labour Party, uh, historically we go back to 1916, but actually you go back three years earlier, that 1913, and that followed both the um, the Waihi miners strike that was kind of seen as the employer having won that, um, but also the Wellington waterfront workers dispute uh, that, and they were both very violent disputes. And there were a group of union leaders, foremost amongst them was Peter Fraser, who said, you know, we've got to do more than just organise at work and use our our might at work to prevail on and, and influence the employer. We actually need to be in charge of the laws that control what happens to us and how we work. Peter Fraser eyes us from a portrait on the opposite wall. He drew together the Labour Party. He was an inspiration for the Labour Party. He was an amazing Labour Party Prime Minister. So here's somebody I have firmly in my mind as, uh, as, a, as a good leader. Mr Little studied employment law and quickly got a job working for the Employers and Manufacturers Union. He moved up the ranks, became an organiser, then National Secretary and ultimately led some tough negotiations, like this action by airline engineers in 2008. So how come things have got this bad between the two parties? Well, it's just a stalemate over what is a fair pay increase. Uh, these guys, I mean, they've been under the current collective agreement for a couple of years and this collective agreement followed the proposed contracting out of, uh, of the aircraft maintenance overseas. They uh, made a number of concessions to get the agreement, keep the work here, and now I think they just feel that... Uh, the conditions are such, both economic conditions and also what they've contributed to the airline are such that uh, they deserve a pay increase that's well above what Air New Zealand is so far prepared to offer. It wasn't long until he moved on to politics following his idol Peter Fraser. In 2014, the union-based membership helped elect Mr Little to lead the Labour Party and he did just that through until just ahead of the 2017 election. Then Jacinda Ardern took over. She too is a union member. I joined uh, when I was um, a worker uh, and at that time ETU was part of negotiating um, our contracts Uh, and that was, they brought a level of expertise, Um, uh, they brought uh, together um, some of our collective issues and negotiated on our behalf and that is an incredibly important role that unions play on our behalf. But when queried about the possible effect of all this industrial action on Labour's chances for a second term, she says she's not about to go on the defensive about the increased number of strikes under her government. I share the frustration of individuals who have worked in underfunded sectors in New Zealand, and that includes health and education. Uh, certainly the offers that we've put on the table have been substantive, far outweighing what we've seen over the last nine years. Uh, and our message has been, uh, we share the frustration, we know there's a lot of work to do, we can't do it all in one go, um, but let's, let's at least be on the same trajectory. Throughout history, the trade unions have directly influenced Labour's workplace and industrial relations policy, and it's no different when it comes to what Labour has brought to the latest coalition government. It started by raising paid parental leave to 26 weeks in its first 100 days, and then kicked off a series of the largest increases to the minimum wage in history, with those on the lowest wages set to be making $20 an hour by 2021. It passed the Employment Relations Amendment Bill last year, which brings back compulsory rest and meal breaks and limits 90-day trials. It also gives unions better access to workplaces. And it's yet to make a decision on how far it will go with fair pay agreements 
as it's currently mulling over a report from a working group led by the former National Prime Minister, Jim Bolger. The minister, Ian Lees-Galloway, says next on the list is likely to be reforming the Holidays Act. We have a Holidays Act which is complicated, um, which doesn't necessarily reflect uh, the way the modern workplace actually operates. Uh, And interestingly, um, that work was initiated because Business New Zealand and the Council of Trade Unions wrote one letter to me, signed by both Kirk Hope and Richard Wagstaff, saying we agree that there's an issue here and we would really like the government to get on and do something about it and we would like to help the government do something about it. Um, And that's true tripartism in action. Uh, Businesses, unions and government working together uh, to solve real problems that are faced by employers and employees. And that's actually where I think we're at our best. Uh, when we all work together in that constructive manner. And I have to say, um, I'm really enjoying my relationship with Business New Zealand and the Council of Trade Unions. I think they enjoy the relationship with each other as well. There will be times when we have differences of opinion, but there's lots of opportunities for us to work together. Business is often regarded as being in combat with the workers. From the National Party's perspective, business can't prosper if unions keep striking. But is that actually the view of business itself? I head downtown in Wellington to speak to John Milford, the chief executive of Business Central. It's another arm of the Employers and Manufacturers Association and related to Business New Zealand. We sit down in a sparse meeting room with a small window at Mr Milford's seventh floor offices in the heart of Wellington's CBD. I think it's a city that has um, businesses from one-man bands right the way through to large head offices of corporate organisations, so a a good cross-spectrum. Of course we don't have manufacturing plants in the city, but of course we have um, those in the hut in Porirua, so we we have a, a hinterland of traditional manufacturing businesses on top of corporate head offices and service businesses as well. How would you describe the relationship between business and unions? I think um, different businesses have different relationships. I mean, you've you've got to remember that businesses um, have had relationships with unions for many years. Um, Some sectors have stronger, deeper relationships than others. It really depends upon the history of the business and traditionally what they do. Tech businesses or newer businesses that haven't been around as long potentially don't have that strength of relationship that businesses like the ports or manufacturing businesses have had for a long time. Mr Milford says union membership is optional, not compulsory, which is positive because it gives people choice. Individuals will make the call whether they believe that that there is um, strength in them joining a union and with their other colleagues to negotiate with the management. Equally, there are a membership of the unions in the private sector, I think is about 9%. So what that says to you, that there are a lot of individual employees who don't believe they need to join a union to have a good dialogue and relationship with their employer. He says while there are varying relationships with unions, the political rhetoric that there are more disagreements than not isn't helpful. I would say that the the focus has got to be to raise the um, living standards of New Zealanders um, to make sure that we're all working collectively towards having a higher standard of living for people in New Zealand, um, that equality, fairness um, are the things that we strive for and if employers, unions and the government are working towards that. If collectively we achieve that, then that's the right outcome. 
A common inference in politics is that the Labour Party's main interest is supporting the working class, while the National Party is mainly interested in the success of business. Both would disagree on varying levels, saying their interests go both ways. Mr Milford believes it's helpful now to have a coalition government in charge with varying views, colouring policy decisions. I think it's MMP working. I think it's, you know, we have three coalition partners who have different views on things and um, different perspectives, and that formula's working. So what are the facts? Strike action last year did increase hugely by almost eight times on the year before. The reasons given are a mixture. Many of the fresh bargaining negotiations began with employers because old collective contracts ran out at the 2017 election. It's thought some groups of workers took the opportunity of a more sympathetic Labour-heavy coalition to ask for more, whether that's better pay, conditions or equality in the workforce. And Labour says that's a good thing, and they plan to do more for these workers, particularly given the currently strong economy. It believes everybody should be seeing the benefits of that strength reflected by what's in their pockets. Historically, the amount of strike action today is minimal compared to the 1970s and 80s, and it fascinates some that 46 strikes in a year is cause for debate. National, however, says it will impact the economy because of lost hours worked and the financial impact on business. Scott Simpson says it's time unions ditched it. I guess the challenge that I would make to the trade union movement in New Zealand is to be forward-looking instead of wanting to drag us back to the 1970s of compulsion of big unions and big business deciding everything. Uh, Those days are surely well behind us and uh, a more sophisticated, modern view of the world and their role in it, I think, would be good for the trade union movement in New Zealand and ultimately good for all New Zealanders. While Andrew Little says the point of strike action is the disruption to business, He doubts Mr Simpson's advice will be taken up and doesn't believe unions should ditch their most effective tool. I wouldn't say it's overused. I mean, it is is the ultimate weapon that unions have, that workers have. And uh, it's intended to cause inconvenience and intended in some cases to inflict economic harm. Hard in the the public sector for that to happen, um, but in the private sector, that's what you disrupt a business. It can lose sales, it can lose revenue, and and it has that effect. Um, but it is a way of making a point if you know, that group of workers thinks their voice isn't being heard. And I, th- I think that's what we're seeing. I think you know the nurses and, and the teachers and the various others, they've had an extended period where they don't believe they've been heard, and this is their way of making the point. And, and the reason why I think they're more motivated to take industrial action when there is a the Labour Party is part of government is because they expect to to be heard and that they're going to be listened to. And that is more likely going to be the case anyway because we do have um, natural relationships with those organisations. In politics, it comes down to a difference of view about what's important. In business, it's about doing well financially and morally. And for many businesses, that does include treating their employees well. Unions are most important in larger, lower-paid workforces where collective bargaining appears to be the only way to see regular increases to keep up with inflation and the cost of living. And whether the relationship between Labour and the unions hurts or hinders the party heading into the next election is likely to be down to who turns out to vote. Labour says the increased number of strikes won't hurt them, while National's using all of its powers to make sure it does. That 
programme was written and presented by RNZ's political reporter, Gia Garrick. If you'd like to podcast some more long-form journalism, you can head to our page at rnz.co.nz slash insight, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Next week on Insight, Theresa Cowie investigates the New Zealand businesses lining up to be ready for any law change over cannabis production and sale. I'm Philip Atoli and that's all from Insight for today. Join us again next time.